Welcome, everybody, back to the Pittsburgh Oddcast. My name is Andrew Lindbergh. I'm the producer of the program. And with me, as always, is the founder of the odd, mysterious, and fascinating history of Pittsburgh, John Chalkowski. Hello. So this episode, we're going to do something a little different. And uh, we're going to talk more conceptually about how I find the things that I find, why I find the things that I find, <laughs> the well, who, ha- what, where, when, why. <laughs> it's Halloween season. It's Halloween season. This is odd Pittsburgh season. Um, people are always like, I hate to bother you in October, but, you know, if you can please, you know, <laughs> give me a call back. Or, because they know that this season is the busy season. This is your Christmas. Yeah, that's exactly right, you know. And uh, hopefully I've turned that into an everyday event. Uh, Christmas every day. I mean, what's, what's better than that, right? But where it all started is kind of what we're going to talk about. And we'll talk about the name beginning right then, right there. So, you know, when I had this idea for a ultimate Pittsburgh page, Pittsburgh history page, um, I had no idea what I was going to do. I had no idea what the type of stories I wanted to do, other than the fact that I they wanted to be odd, mysterious, fascinating, and involve history. <laughs> so I you had to start with a name. You know, I was like, well, strange history of Pittsburgh? You know, what? You know, what weird history of Pittsburgh? You know, what... What could be unusual and odd took the cake. Uh, and odds is an unusual name to begin with. Mm-hmm. So right then and there, that kind of geared my efforts towards looking for stories specific that would fill that void of the odd and the mysterious. And uh, what I didn't realize was that basically the whole thing would be eventually be just become fascinating. Um, I wasn't planning on that. I was planning on just telling you the weird and the odd stories. Um, but what you slowly find out is that basically all of Pittsburgh history is weird and unusual <laughs> at one time or another. But and, the, these are the most creepy and odd yeah. stories that we're going to get into. Right, right. I, I think it's fascinating that Gustav Whitehead, in a previous episode mm-hmm. that you can download, actually was the first person to fly an airplane before the Wright brothers. Yeah. But that's not, I mean, it's odd right. and it's interesting. Right. But this is like the best of the best here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When someone tells you about uh, the first episode we recorded, which was the, uh, you know, uh, prehistory of Pittsburgh, really kind of spelled out my my origin story of the unusual. And that's when I was studying the Three Rivers, you know, and I come across that the Allegheny was named after the land of giants and, and that wasn't just named after them. There's actually proof, <laughs> it seems, that backs it up. And I'm like, proof that they're giants? What is that? So that's story number one. Well, I wanted to tell you, I've been reading a a book called The Point of Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. which is a very large book, and they kind of just gloss over the giant part. Like, oh, there are some giant people. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing. Okay, wait, what? Yeah, it's been recognized in every single history of Pittsburgh ever written. Like, you talk about... The 1849 Pittsburgh, uh, 1876 Pittsburgh, the 1911 version, the 1908 version of, of Pittsburgh history. There's the, that, that big book, you know, the Stephen Lawrence Pittsburgh book. Even that one talks about the Giants and, and the Allegheny. And yet, for some reason, nobody knew or cared or just glanced over it. Or It's only is one sentence. It's kind of like when you read a news story and you see a small detail and they just say something like, and the fire was started by somebody, and you just think, wait, how was that fire started? Right. But they just gloss over it, and you're like, wait, what? 
well, a perfect example of that is in our uh, second episode, when we, the one we did with Rick Seaback, where we had the uh, uh, mummified torso <laughs> article appear in the newspaper. It was a standard paragraph where people are like, well, hey, there's um, you know, fire at this place. They tried to recover the uh, uh, the bodies that were there in the in this mortuary that was uh, was burning down in Allegheny City. Uh, and then the very last line of the sent you know of the paragraph says, oh, they'd failed, however, to rescue the mummified torso of a woman who's been in the basement for 15 years <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> I'm like, what? That's that's it. That's just that one sentence. That's all we get. Because yeah. the, that story, if you go back and listen. Uh, is about how a dog perished <laughs> trying fire. to save yeah. the family, which, I mean, is a great story in itself. Right. But then you have at the end, mummified remains. What? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, something like that is a perfect example. So I'll look on, you know, the newspaper archives and all the available sources out there, and I'll start doing some weird keyboard searching. That's where it all begins. So you start with mummified, <laughs> right, and just... See what pops up. You know, what comes up when you type in the word mummified. And there's weird things. Like you'll find little blips in the newspaper from like 1870 of a, a giant mummified torso of a stone giant, they said, was uncovered under a road on the uh, People's Plank Road in uh, North Hills. Uh, they, but it turned out to be just like some kind of weird-looking rock that people just thought was a giant Indian or, um, you know, whatever. But so you get strange things like that, you know. But then sometimes you'll, you'll land on a winner. And a perfect example of that is the boogeyman. So there's not much more terrifying to a little kid than the concept of a boogeyman. Now, the boogeyman concept goes back to, you know, ancient times. I mean, people have, since the beginning of having kids have warned their kids to be good or else the boogeyman's going to get you. As messed up as it sounds, it still goes on. Well, to this I mean, day. that goes into, you know, in. The German countries yeah. warning about Krampus. Right. Yeah. Cr- like, <laughs> okay, you're either going to get visited by Santa or this person that's going to lock you in chains and take you away. Yeah, with a forked tongue and goat legs. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's going to put you in the sack and take you off to so hell. <laughs> stop acting like a jerk. Yeah. So uh, people do lots of weird things to get their kids to behave. And uh, a boogeyman is one of these things. I mean, and a lot of it has to do with the German. Uh, influence, you know, of a Pittsburgh culture uh, and the Eastern European influence and all these legends and all these tales they brought along with them. Um, they just continued right here in Pittsburgh and here in America. Um, that doesn't mean to say that the Native Americans didn't have their own beliefs and their own paranormal stories. And then one of the most fascinating ones I've ever found was uh, the Native Americans called Allegheny City or what today is the North Side. They used to call that the Dark Territory. Because apparently there was unconsecrated uh, murders of animals, like hunted and just left there to die or not used in, according to their traditions. And they considered it unconsecrated uh, land. And they dubbed the, the area the Dark Territory. So a lot of strange stuff's happened on the north side over the that's, years. And that's yeah, <laughs> and, what, uh, we call, what we now call the North Shore, <laughs> yeah. which a lot of people are upset they want it to be called the North Side. Right, but, yeah. The North Shore of what? But it's really North, Allegheny yeah, City. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll just... Call it Allegheny, yeah, Allegheny City. But, yeah, I mean, Allegheny City, you had the Pittsburgh Poisonous, or the, the Pittsburgh Borgia, they call her, and we, we talked about her in our True Crime episode, uh, which you haven't listened to. Definitely go back and listen to that one. Well, just give us a quick recap of that one. Yeah, she was this uh, woman, uh, and she was uh, accused and confessed 
to poisoning multiple people in Allegheny City. Uh, she was a nurse, and uh, she decided to uh, poison people with food and things like this to slowly watch them die to try to bring them back and nurse them back to health. And eventually some people would actually perish. And um, by accident, or some say would not, uh, she confessed to murders. And uh, even though there was claimed to be many more uh, accredited to her, her name was Martha Grinder, and uh, she was hung in the middle of downtown Pittsburgh for her crimes. And she uh, publicly. So think about going downtown today. And you see, uh, you know, Ross Street and Grant Street, you know, the corner of the Ross and Grant. That's where the, the public hanging grounds were in Pittsburgh. And uh, they hung a woman there. This was 1869, I believe, or 1868. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> so that's pretty uh, weird. So you start looking into other hangings and other strange murders and, you know, the punishments that these people were suffered from. Um, and uh, you start looking around just the point downtown of Pittsburgh, you find a lot of strange things. Uh, another tale was when the French, when the Virginians came here and captured Fort Pitt. So I know that sounds weird and it is a long story to get into, but Virginia claimed Pittsburgh as part of Virginia at one time. There's an exhibit coming up at the Heinz History Center, which is called Pittsburgh, comma, Virginia. Well, that's true. And for a brief time during the American Revolutionary War in 1777, 1778, uh, Pittsburgh was known as Virginia. And it was taken by force by a bunch of Virginians. And uh, Pittsburghers were literally put on trial. And he had to declare whether you're, you know, you were for Virginia or you're for Pennsylvania. And if you're for Pennsylvania, you were usually branded or like with a hot iron, or uh, you have your ears clipped in half, uh, the clipping they'd call it. Um, and there's accounts, there's an actual account book and a trial book that exists still that you can read the day-to-day trials of these people, innocent people who grew up in Pittsburgh, uh, being accused of being a Pittsburgher basically and being branded and other things um, because of that fact. So one of the many strange punishments they did to these people, not just the branding and the iron, you know, and the clipping, but they also uh, utilized a dunking stool. Do you know what a dunking stool is? No. Very medieval and uh, basically like a giant seesaw that they put at the point that if you were to believe to be a witch or an adulteress or an adulterer, they'd put you on the one end of the seesaw and dunk you in the river until you just confess to anything you wanted to confess. Basically like waterboarding. Um, but on this fun seesaw ride at the point. <laughs> so it's uh, messed up that they actually did these types of things uh, to people here in Pittsburgh and uh, right at the point. And uh, to think that all these souls of the people who vanquished, you know, and uh, expired right here in Pittsburgh just, uh, you know, went away is sometimes maybe not the wisest thing to think of. We can uh, pick many stories uh, where there seems to be a historical track record of strange and unusual things going on in a certain home, for example. I've had, just because of being a strange site, you know, I get lots of strange emails and, and messages where people are like, hey, my house is haunted, you know, what can you do about it? And I say, well, look, you know, I'm not I'm some kind of wizard or psychic or whatever, and I can't, like, just, you know, click my fingers and and make your ghost go away. But what we can try to do is dig into the history of your home or the history of the area that your home is in and see if there's any kind of strange, unusual thing that might be at least 
some may say, a um, a reason behind it. And uh, sure enough, in some of these places, you do get strange things. Um, Let's hear some of them. Yeah, so prime example is a prominent artist in Pittsburgh, uh, a street artist who had me look up his home, and he said that he was feeling like this sense of dread kind of like when he would come home, and only when he'd come home and, and leave in the main entrance of his building. And this building is right off of Boulevard of the Allies, is where he lives. And um, it is always, he felt like he'd like felt like a woman standing behind him and uh, just kind of the presence of a woman and just kind of weird feeling that he would experience. And sure enough, I looked into the history and you, know, you have your everyday people who die there. It's no big deal. You know, like if you have an old house, it's guaranteed somebody probably died and it doesn't yeah. mean it's haunted. It just means that people that die every day everywhere, you know, so it doesn't make everywhere haunted, you know. Hospitals would be the most haunted places on earth. That was the truth. And uh, there actually is some haunted hospitals in Pittsburgh, which we'll get to. However, um, the uh, this particular experience, so sure enough, I'm looking in the history of the home, and uh, in like 1911 or something, some woman hung herself in that hallway of his house that he now owns. So now he didn't know that. In fact, I didn't even tell him at first. I said, do you really want to know what happened in your home? Because sometimes, you know, it can be a little disturbing. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the uh, suicide, you know, is uh, common, you know. So it's the uh, common enough to where you will find it in the history of a home sometimes. And uh, in this particular case, he did. You know, I don't know what it means. I don't know if it means that that's the person who he's feeling or that part of the building is somehow trapped that energy of that bad feeling that she had. Now it's passing it on to everyone who walks through the door. I don't know. No one knows. That's why the supernatural and the paranormal are interesting and fascinating is because you can look into these strange events, try to make sense out of what might be causing one of these problems, but no one really knows. Well, I think it's fascinating because personally, I don't believe in ghosts. Mm Mm-hmm. But when I hear stories like that, it makes me question my beliefs because yeah, I'll tell you why would this person have you know get chills up his spine and then yeah. you just happen to find out that you know or maybe you know thinking logically maybe every house in Pittsburgh has had somebody committed suicide and but right. probably not right right yeah exactly now um, and a lot of these people. A prime example on another episode you'll hear or have heard uh, about the boogeyman uh, killing this, literally killing a girl uh, in Millvale. Uh, she was scared to death. That was basically the reason why she was, you know, died. Um, is that these things happened so long ago that unless you're some kind of expert uh, or know how to search newspaper archives and research that type of thing, you will never be able to find out the history of that happening in your home on your own like what do you how do you find it out right like you want to know what happened in 1910 in your home and like if you'd start looking into these types of things sure enough you would have come across just by a simple newspaper search of just the address you would have found out that this event happened in that home people live in that home today and i guarantee it they might know now because i've talked about that story so many times but i guarantee they probably don't know but, I mean, there's probably a bunch of stories that you could uncover for people that yeah. are feeling maybe a little uneasy. Yeah. Um, feeling a little bit weird whenever they walk into a, a, right. a room at a certain time. Now, I've actually been invited to go to some of these, you know, so-called haunted houses uh, all over Pittsburgh. And I you know, I bring all my ghost-busting tools because I do have them. 
<laughs> yes, you do. I've seen them. That's right. And uh, your I, proton pack. Yeah, my proton EKG pack. EKG meter. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Tobin spirit guide. Oh, I can't leave home without it. And uh, what you do find more or less is the comfort in letting people know that their weirdness or their strange happenings that are going on in their home are normal and that there might be an actual explanation for it. And unless something is putting you down, you know, pushing you down the steps, you most likely have nothing to worry about. Now, I've heard some weird things. Like one, this lady was saying that her three-year-old daughter says there was a man coming out of the ceiling trying to pull her up uh, in her bedroom. Yeah. Um, that so that's a little weird. <laughs> yeah, they see people, another, a man standing at the top of the steps. They see another like weird black shadow person um, uh, just walking around their hallway, you know, which could be whatever. So you look into the house. Sure enough, there was people who died in the home. Um, now, was it the guy who's haunting their house? I don't know. Um but that goes into a whole other aspect of it all. And I, I do talk about it on some other things. But Einstein had a belief. Uh, it has to do with the general theory of relativity. And whereas energy cannot be created or destroyed. So if I, a prime example is you go close to an AM radio station, everything's fine, right? And you walk away slowly and the signal starts getting lost. It's because your body itself is acting as an antenna, you know, with the energy passing through it to get a better signal out of your radio. Uh, his theory was that if there is a certain substance like, you know, fiberglass insulation or wood, a certain type of wood or brick or whatever, could somehow capture some of that energy. And because of the date and time or the magnetic poles of the earth or whatever, it just triggers a replaying of the same thing. Uh, like it, a picture. Right. And that could be even said about yourself, that sometimes the little shadow that you see at the corner of your eye, you know, running around the other room or something could literally be you from 25 minutes ago, according to this theory. Well, so how uh, crazy I, is that? I mean, I, I can't deny that because I have felt like I've seen something happen and then I turn my head back and wonder yeah. if it was my eyes or if it was something. Right. And I'm sure everybody listening has had that experience. Yeah. No, I've had some generally terrifying experience. I had a, one experience, I'll share with you, of a shadow man uh, that visited my home. The shadow man. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that too lightly after the story I told you. And, or uh, the shadow. The shadow. Lamont knows. Cranston. <laughs> yes. Um, one time I was, I might have been 10 years old, 12 years old uh, at my home. All my friends were over hanging out and we weren't watching anything scary or anything like that. And Rainbow bright. Yeah, exactly. You know, Transformers. And we come up the steps from the basement and we're, everyone's leaving or whatever. And I look behind my mother who was sitting in the living room, in the kitchen. Uh, she was a school teacher and she would correct papers there every night. And, and, um, you know, right behind her was the doorway between the dining room and the kitchen. And I look behind her mm -hmm. and standing in the doorway is like an eight foot tall shadow. Okay. That has, that I can't see through it and yet has no features but you could feel like it's staring right at you. And I screamed like a little girl, you know, um, horrified. My, in front of all my friends, by the way, which was pretty embarrassing. Nothing wrong with screaming like a little girl. No, the there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. But uh, screaming like a pretty horrified person. And, uh, and I was horrified. I almost refused to sleep in the house. And I don't know what it was. I never saw it again. And I did see shadows and things going through that room every once in a while. But I, ne I never really thought much of it. Um, Maybe it was a shadow of a dog that died or something, you know, that, you know, that's 
came back and just was playing around the room. That shadow thing scared me to my very core. To this day, I live in the same house. I don't... Have you seen it again? I purposely don't look that direction. Have you ever looked in that direction again, though, by accident? Yes, I have. I have. And you haven't seen it. So no, I, think I have okay. not seen it, yes. Most of these things happen when you least expect it. You know, when you go out looking for ghosts, <laughs> you're rarely going to find them. I went to Clarion University for a couple years, and we used to go orb hunting mm -hmm. because, and you can explain what orbs are, but we would go into the cemetery and just, like, wait to see what was going to happen. Right. So, can you, do you know what orbs yeah, are? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so orbs are reportedly, you know, the spirits, you know, of some kind of energy that you can capture on a film, you know, uh, your camera. On. You have to use a flashlight, of course, and uh, in order to get it. And uh, one of the reasons why they're not really necessarily a uh, well-received thing in the ghost hunting world uh, or proof, right, is because I could shake a blanket in a room, take a photo, and you're going to get 50 orbs. Um, if you go in the same building and didn't shake that blanket, you could probably still get a picture of an orb because there's weird things floating around, dust and just filth you know, that you that you don't normally see uh, until you shine a flashlight on it, right? And even in your own home. But where it gets weird is when it seems as if this orb has a mind of its own, where it's not necessarily a, a blob of dust and seems like it's moving with a purpose. That's when orbs and orb photography becomes more or less a uh, not legitimate thing, but more uh, easily acceptable thing. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. You, you know, when you're looking for it, it never really happens. And I, I have one more uh, scary story or ghost story, personal ghost story to tell you. Well, two. I have two more. All right. So one is, uh, I'll start with this one when I was a little kid. Um, I'm an only child. Um, and, uh, while I did have many friends, I didn't have anybody in general during the day, you know, to hang out with. And, um, so you'd make your own friends up and I had an invisible friend, uh, as weird as that sounds. <laughs> and his name was George. And, uh, from what I can remember, he was small like me, uh, like a kid size, except for the fact that he had like a human body. And it was a clown. <laughs> no. Not Georgie. Okay. No, ready? Uh, he, had, he had a human body and a crocodile face. <laughs> okay. Okay. How old were you? I was probably five, you know, five or six years old. And I thought this was, I look almost like the Lacoste, you know, alligator that you see on the t-shirts. Like that personified. And I remember drawing, I had this thick carpet in our living room. I remember drawing on it with my finger. You can make like, it was so thick mm -hmm. you could draw on it. And I remember him being there one time while I was doing that. Now, and you were like, hey, if you're going to be on a t-shirt, you're going to be like 70 bucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, we won't even have sizes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but the uh, what became interesting to me is I soon forgot about him, I guess, as a kid, you know, like most invisible friends, you know, unless you're drop-dead Fred, I guess. Um, you, um, you just don't think about him again. And I stopped thinking about him until I was going through a bunch of old papers that, from when I was a kid. My mom never threw anything away, so I have everything I've ever done first grade on, you know. And uh, sure enough, there's a piece of paper in there of a drawing I made of my buddy George. And it's me and George, uh, and you know, drawing of it. And I wrote in my <laughs> second grade handwriting or whatever, this is my friend George. 
he is a ghost. That's all it says. <laughs> now, I don't remember him being a ghost. I don't remember him being anything other than an invisible friend or just a friend. Not even invisible because I could see him, you know. And I always had those types of things, especially with that weird shadow man appearing, you know, soon afterwards. And, and at times in my life, I would uh, experience other strange things like that as well. Um, another example was uh, I was living in California and uh, I would stay up late uh, writing music every night almost. Um, I have a background in classical music. And I remember um, I put headphones on and I would just zone out and literally at four in the morning, I'd still be writing music. Um, and I had roommates and um, one of my roommates came out and was starting to talk to me, except he was talking to the kitchen and I wasn't in the kitchen. I was at my desk, but he was talking to me that he saw go into the kitchen and come out of the kitchen. <laughs> right. And then he looks over and sees I'm sitting at my desk this entire time. And he, I mean, he freaked out. And another time he came out and he, he's walking out of his hallway where uh, his bedroom was. And I was doing my thing at my desk and, and he saw a woman in white just standing behind me, not doing anything, but just standing there it, like a peaceful way and, and like a non-scary way, but unusual. And then he, you know, turns his eyes and sure enough, it's gone. Another prime example of a uh, personal ghost story uh, is I was really sick in my late 20s. I, I got pneumonia for the first time, well, second time actually, uh, to the point where it literally wiped me out. I couldn't get out of bed for a week, practically. Uh, I, could, I, I couldn't barely walk to the door of my room in the hospital, uh, being wiped out with pneumonia in my 20s. And um, eventually I was able to walk down the hallway, you know, it was an, an accomplishment. And, um, just being stuck in this place. And I was a passive in hospital, in the North Hills. And I was, I can't remember what floor I was on, but I was on the very, very last room. They moved me into this room because I had a, a different patient, uh, you know, was having issues or whatever. So I ended up moving all the way down to the, this hallway or the very, very last room. And it's typical when you're a patient at any hospital in the middle of the night, you know, they're coming up and waking you up, taking your blood pressure yeah. and all that type of stuff and giving you medicine or whatever. And uh, this one night I'm in that room and I, it's a room by myself. So I had no neighbors or anything like this or, you know, nobody in the room with me. And um, three in the morning or whatever, I'm sleeping. And I, I kind of feel this pressure on the end of my foot and my leg. And uh, it wakes me up enough. And I kind of like look at down and there's an old woman dressed in black, like a black dress. Not just like black shirt from Macy's, like a black dress, old, sitting there just kind of patting my foot or my leg. As if everything's going to be okay. Yeah, she just want to make sure your foot's okay. And I was like so out of it, and I just fell back asleep. Oh, you didn't pee your pants? <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. And I wake up. I tell them when the nurse comes back in, or it must have been, you know, within a few minutes, the nurse came in. Yeah. And I told her what happened. And she goes, you're not the first person who said that about this room. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I was like, what? And uh, she says, yeah, it doesn't mean any kind of harm or anything, but I guess there's apparently something that, checks on people or something just let you know it's going to be okay and i was like mind blown <laughs> you know and i'm like did i really witness something like this did i really experience it like i felt the pressure of it i it felt good it was a good experience it wasn't creepy um but it like it seemed like it happened <laughs> but did it happen i don't i don't know well let me ask you as we wind this one down mm -hmm. i i've never experienced anything like that and i am not I'm a staunch believer that ghosts are not real. Right. 
and that the paranormal is interesting, but it's just kind of a theory. And I think that the mind is so powerful that it can make people see things or feel things that aren't real. Give me your theory, because Mm -hmm. you just told a bunch of stories that seem, if it happened to me, I would probably change my mind. Yeah. My, My theory is more complex, and I'm talking more philosophical than anything else. And that is the theory that time itself has no meaning. So when I say that, I'm not saying that like it's 8.30 or 9 o'clock or whatever. There's a time, you know, here it's what time it is. You know, it's just a time that we've recently agreed upon, you know. Um, So we can function as a society. Yeah, we're talking about a clock, you know. Because Uh, you can't say, I don't believe in time. And then your boss is like, well, you're fine. (laughs) Yeah. Now, uh, and, you know, I, I now... Unfortunately, uh, that has been the case in my life uh, many times because I really, I legitimately don't believe in the concept of time. I really don't. And when I say this, is uh, it has to do with a, uh, an experience that I had, uh, which was uh, which will explain everything to you. Is how when I was writing classical music, I would uh, sometimes you know wake up on Monday, work all day long on music, eat a little bit or whatever. Keep on working, keep on working, eat a little bit more maybe, keep on working. Next thing I know, it was Wednesday night, you know, and I would stay up for 48, you know, 60 hours at a time, uh, like a chunk of time. During this time period, I was doing nothing but working. I was actually like being functional and, and producing things, which were different and unique because it was a... Um, I was afraid that if I stopped, if I went to bed, I would lose what I was thinking about. So I had to get it all down on paper, flush it out or whatever. But that experience kind of opened me up to this whole new world of thinking and uh, maybe messed with me a little bit. Uh, this is my early 20s. But I was able to um, think differently than the average person, to think that like while you were spending time, wasting all this time sleep, now I understand as an adult that, yes, sleep is important too. However... While everyone else is sleeping, I'm creating, I'm working, you know, I still do the same thing today. I stay up, you know, I'm the last one to go to bed in my house, the first one up. I only need like three hours of sleep at most, you know. I mean, I, I could, now I could sleep an all day if I want, you know. Now, but, I mean, you do have a small child, I think. Yeah, yes, you can't do that he anymore. He might sleep a little bit less than you sometimes. <laughs> that's, that's true, that's true. You know, but what I've experienced through doing that is my concept of time has changed. Uh, to where my I was literally able to change my my circadian clock to where my inner clock did not function on 24 hours anymore. Yeah, I was able to extend it. And I truly believe extend my life and live twice as long during these time periods than the person who was sleeping away 12 hours a day. Um, so I, I feel a lot older than I actually am. Well, you look a lot older. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you know, but the... Uh, what that all stems down to is time as a concept. And I experienced something real weird, a paranormal event, you could say, uh, while living in Hollywood. This is while I was living, going to film school and I went to UCLA for music. And uh, I had this idea for kind of like a Hollywood then and now book, uh, kind of like the Pittsburgh then and now. And, and there has since been written a Hollywood then and now book. But at the time, uh, back in 2001, that didn't exist. And uh, it just made me mad. Like, I walked up and down these streets in Hollywood every single day, um, like Hollywood Boulevard, 
you know, Vine, Hollywood and Vine. That was the intersection I'd walk past every other day. Um, I lived at the corner of Hollywood and Wilcox Avenue. And just to find out what happened each and every single one of these buildings, not necessarily the, the, the Hollywood aspect of it all, like what actor was here or what happened here, but just the history of each and every single little place. It was fast, found me, I was just fascinated by it. That's how I got my start. Yeah, that's and, how you got... That's how Odd Pittsburgh really got its origin right. was in Hollywood. <laughs> exactly, of all places, you know. And now Pittsburgh is Hollywood East. There you go. And uh, so I, I printed a bunch of old photos of Hollywood, which were almost impossible to find at the time. You know, this is the Internet's early days, and uh, you couldn't find it. You had to find it in an actual book, you know. And I made copies, and I took it around to every intersection. And I'm trying to, with a regular digital camera, trying to match the exact same angle and even the hillside and see if I can match buildings and you know, all that type of stuff. You know, I like, like how you say regular digital camera when like how that is now obsolete. <laughs> right. Where it used to be yeah. you have a picture, like a camera, and you take a photo, and then you have to take it to the development place. Like, yeah. that's yeah. insane. You had to wait at the photo hut, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, it's insane. What's really crazy is to think about how many photos are taken nowadays. Like, how many digital photos are there? What's going to happen in 50 years, <laughs> you know, with those digital photos? Uh, print out your photos, people, in other words. Anyways, I'm standing at the corner of Hollywood and Vine. Out of all intersections in the world you could have chosen, Hollywood and Vine was it at this particular point in time. Now I'm staring at the intersection like I normally do, and I'm waiting for the red light to change, to green, you know, to cross the street. And I'm very in this kind of mindset of historic Hollywood. And, um, you know, I look up and the light changes, and I see this man walking across the street wearing a, like a brown suit and a fedora. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not that unusual for Hollywood, you know, Hollywood weird. <laughs> um, but it was uh, unusual to see a man on a hot day walking around in a brown suit with a fedora hat on. And um, I looked behind me and everything in, within my vision was instantly the 1930s. The cars, other people, right? The, the signs and the buildings. I turn around, it's gone. I've never been able to get back there since. So now I don't know. It's an actual phenomenon, by the way, called time slip. Okay, uh, where and which furthered my belief in the idea that time is, you know, your concept of time is not about the clock. The concept of time involves a place, a location. And that's what Pittsburgh is too. When we talk about the history of Pittsburgh, I'm not talking 200 years and all the things that have happened on this one spot, you know, on this latitude and longitude, um, you know, but millions of years, you know, things have happened on this spot and, um, and how you can kind of tap into that if you can find a way. And I, I do honestly believe, and you can call me crazy. I will call me crazy, crazy. <laughs> and I, uh, but I do believe that for a brief moment in time, I was able to witness or see or whatever 1930s Hollywood for a brief second. Now, that's also could be saying that I might be crazy. So that's the other thing. Well, here's the thing. You know, like, that, what does that mean? So, like, I mean, you're a man right? with a wife, mm -hmm. three children, you have a regular job, mm -hmm. and then you run this page right we would not consider committing you <laughs> right. because you had this 30 second right 
exactly. experience. Right. Even former President Jimmy Carter claims that he saw a UFO. Mm-hmm. And while people may argue that he wasn't the best president, he's an amazing humanitarian. Right. Um, recently, here in October of 2019, he had a fall and then was back on his feet helping at Habitat for Humanity. So right. no matter what you say about Jimmy Carter as a president, he's an, he, he's an amazing person. Yeah. And yet he goes, yeah, I saw UFO. Right. Are we supposed to just <laughs> write it off? Yeah, exactly. It, well, that's the thing. You don't know. You know, and that's what this is all about. It's about the unusual, the fascinating, the odd, the mysterious. These are all tales that have no answer. There is no answer to why these things happen. Or, But the only thing you have to go on is belief. And uh, you know, belief is a powerful thing, obviously. And, and, and it's also can be uh, a not-so-great thing. It can be know. dangerous. It can be dangerous. But yeah. I think one of the, the best things about this podcast is that we spend a lot of time tackling the factual things that happen in mm-hmm. our past. But I think it's fun sometimes, especially in October, to kind of go off the rails right. and just speculate. Yeah. I mean, because that's the truth. I mean, like, otherwise, uh, and, you, and you have to do that about each and every single one of these stories that we present. You know, when we start talking about Andrew Carnegie in an upcoming episode or, or you know, some of these other people, um, you know, you could just read from Wikipedia and just call it a day. You know, we're not doing that. You know, we're trying to see what these experiences are. You know, like put yourself in their shoes for a moment. You know, see Pittsburgh through his eyes. You might not like him, no matter if you like him or not like him. Just see it through his eyes. Mm-hmm. Put yourself in those shoes. And how did he do? And, and that's what you have to think about. And, like, with every one of these stories, like the fire of 1845 or Johnny Appleseed or whatever, um, or George Washington, like, you have to look at the meaning behind it all and not just the facts. And um, you can't do that without really just talking about it. I mean, you should see me. I, I go on. I mean, most of the times my wife just falls asleep, you know, when I'm while, while I'm talking. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. So because I'll go on uh, about the phil- you know philosophical aspect of history all night long, and, and it's uh, something that I uh, I find fascinating, you know, because it's it, you have to think about why. If you don't think about, you know, we we know the facts, but now why did they happen? How can we prevent them from happening again or mm-hmm. or learn from them to make it even better and, you know, take all these different things? I mean, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Well, that's what's so much fun about these kind of episodes is that we don't, we're not trying to figure out anything right. like right. hardcore, uh, you know, factual. We're just speculating mm-hmm. and because there's nothing else you have whenever you see a ghost. Right. Yeah. I mean, you um, try to explain it away. And the best you can, you know, using facts. But, once but all you can facts... do, all you can do is explain your experience. Yeah, I mean that's where this is what I to. felt, and right. you, the 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 person either the judges either hears it and says, "Oh my gosh, that was quite an experience," or that's BS. Right, right. Now, I mean, it's all going to be BS. Well, like you'll hear on another episode too, it's, it, people are going to feel it's BS until it happens to yourself. Yeah, and um, you know, I didn't think. Uh, the, there was such thing as shadow people or, uh, you know, time travel. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say, you know? I don't think that's still a thing, but <laughs> right. I don't think you're crazy right. for, for feeling or seeing that. And so you can see easily how an average, you know, any person could experience these same, same type of things. 
Luckily, with historical records, you can kind of try to get some kind of sense of it by looking up if there was a murder or a suicide or some weird event that happened, like a mummified torso. Or yeah, that's, I mean, that's <laughs> where that's where it gets really weird is right. because you have the historical facts of somebody that were hung in a place where somebody gets chills. And, and ha- legitimately has no idea how to find that information out for themselves. So, like... And so much time has gone by where everyone's just forgot the person even existed. So it's a matter of uh, that's when you give a little more credence to some of these stories than just I heard a friend who this happened to or whatever. Interesting stuff. Trick or treat, everybody. And you decide whether to believe it or not. I say don't. (laughs) That's it for Pit.